I've got some good news, Greg. Yes. Todoist has rolled out Kanban boards in general availability. We're all had, using them now. I was genuinely surprised when I saw the note in the show docs because I'm using beta only, so I had no idea. Yeah, see, now you can come back and be with the people, <laughs> be with the regular peasants. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm going to. I'm not sure. I've just Have you like remapped. Anything else in the no, no. But I've just remapped like my uh, saved links and everything to go straight to the beta. So I'm not sure I'll undo that. Because what if there's refinements to the Kanban board or additional features that are coming? I don't yet? know. I don't know if it's rough. I don't know if it even works. I haven't used it yet. I just edited a project the other day. Like I clicked on edit project and it said, do you want this in traditional view or boards view or something? Yep. Yep. The one thing I am curious to see is how it looks on the phone app. So I'll have to check that out. Because oh. that's one thing I didn't take the step to do because it was the barrier was just high enough to... Because you needed a separate app, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, you have to go through an app that then links you into the beta version because they don't have a beta app uh, yeah. on the store. Interesting. Yeah, I I think that um, I I think that it sounds cool to me, but I will not actually find a use for it. We'll see. I have been all about Kanban boards at various points in my life. Like always, think they would be, thinking they would be useful, and then I've actually jumped into them and found that they just don't really suit my work style very much. Like when things are in progress, to me, it's basically indistinguishable from not started. I only care if something is done or not. That's interesting. I guess the I sort of like the Kanban board format because there's this designated spot to dump a new task mm. or a new idea, but it's not polluting what I'm actually working on at that moment. Whereas if you have not done and done. Oh, interesting. It, yeah. That, that was what would throw me off. I will say I'm not great about it though because I have diff like multiple swim lanes or lane, whatever you want to call it, in my Kanban. And I will often check in and be like, oh, I didn't actually move that over. I mentally moved it over. Like in my <laughs> <laughs> in, yeah. in my brain I knew it went from like in progress to testing, but I never actually moved the ticket. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It seems like if it's so are you using this mainly level. for work stuff using the that's the boards? only time okay. i'm using it or i feel like i have to have a i guess legitimate project so to speak yeah I for it to that. be worth the overhead most of the stuff in my my normal life is just to do tasks you know yeah, yeah i mostly agree i i have to track my work through what is sort of like a kanban type of deal somewhere between kanban and scrum and uh yeah i thought it would grow on me over time but it it does not it uh or it has not it has not really proven any benefits at all to mark something as working or not it's just other people pester me about marking it mm. as like are you working on this or not but to me it's like i don't know every day it's like which which thing am i interested in working on which thing seems useful to be worked on and which thing am i closest to finishing those right. are the only things in my mind but it doesn't really matter which thing i've done the most work on mm -hmm. what system do you use for work um, I don't know if there's a real name for it, but the, we use it through Azure DevOps. So it's like, uh, it's Azure boards, I think is technically what it's called, but, uh, the views we use are not really Kanban boards. Sometimes we use them. Sometimes we don't. It just depends on how you visualize it. Um, but the, yeah, the stages are like backlog to do doing 
in review and done. Mm-hmm. And also I find that I, – well, I don't know. I just really do have a hard time with systems like that in general because I don't think that they're very – well tailored to all these different kinds of tasks because lots of things don't make any sense to have in review lots of things right. like are reviews like if your task is like make sure this other code works it's like what does in review mean like i <laughs> i just reviewed other code but i feel like we run into this like half the time so i i am not yet sold on these really rigid ones and to, that's part of why i like to do it so much because it's just like a bunch of bullets of things you've done or you have not and i find that suits me quite well right no i totally see that i was curious to hear because i use jira and not the not a huge fan no. though it's kanban based like there's it's a board's view only so you might think i would enjoy it but it's quite the opposite i mean these tracking platforms are just i think ultimately they're just not made for the users like many software <laughs> used in enterprises right because like they're sold at upper levels um the you know the person from atlassian or whatever the company is selling mm-hmm. it is like hey look at how you can track what all your employees are doing but they don't spend a lot of time on how easy it is for the employees to input their stuff and how useful it is for their workflow right uh, and thus enterprise software is usually terrible but especially the tracking software because the specific people who are interested are also the ones buying it and they're interested in like you doing a lot of logging of your work yeah you make a good point but what's really f- interesting is i've noticed is that there's a large group of people relevant stakeholders or managers who don't like the jira level view of the world or the state of your team what do they want i i've always described as higher level is like is what they want to understand they want even higher than that whereas jira the way we use it anyways like it's everything ticket or issue is a very specific task to complete and that's often way too granular when you're trying to have a discussion about like three to six month plans so they don't cascade up to a like a single originating super task we put them in something that jira calls epics okay we have that too so that's what i was wondering but from my perspective, maybe it's it's could be just we're not using the software well, but like epics, I don't see a view somewhere that's like all of your epics. And then what I often what is often the ask or what I off what and I get it I I have the same feeling is you want to see things in a Gantt chart view of like this epic is going to take this amount of time, and then this subsequent epic will start after this and it's like dependent on some previous epic or whatever Mm -hmm. i don't think that jira does that at least not easily so it's just this really interesting Mm -hmm. thing where it is the tracking tool we use and it has a lot of benefit to it for like the daily grind so i can see exactly where my coworkers are on stuff we can communicate through it whatever but there's often a translation that occurs where to communicate with some other people you have to have some intermediate format that takes what is in Jira and like rolls it up to another level. Interesting. Yeah, I know a lot of effort is made on like the department I work in to make sure everything cascades up into nice themes in terms of epics. And then there's, so we have like tasks, features, epics, or stories oh the individual ones are called stories, stories. which is just a whole i always call thing. them issues or yeah tickets but stories features epics um 
but I, I do feel that um, maybe this is just because my work doesn't fit in very well, that the epics are sort of like, you know, we, we had features A, B, and C, and we had to find something that ties them together. And so we called our epic the thing that unites A, B, and C, rather than mm. like, we're going to accomplish this epic, so we're going to have these individual features. Like, it doesn't feel that way to me. Um, but again, like, my work doesn't relate very well to it, and that's part of why I find it frustrating. It's like, it would be better if we weren't, we're just going through the motions, essentially. I feel that we're going through the motions on some of these things. Right, um, right. But it does feel that way with any planning software, I think, as you begin. <laughs> rather than the planning software conforming to the way you want to work, you end up conforming what yes. you have to work on into the project planning format. Yep. Which is yep. like totally defeats or like this was not the intention, I think. Oh, you'd hope not. Yeah. I mean, that's why it really is why I love to do this so much. Like a lot of these more heavyweight things, like OmniFocus feels this way. Like it sort of wants you to work in a specific way. And I'm not willing to do that. Like, I know how I want to work and I want the most bare bones, most flexible uh, tracking software, basically. Right. Right. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I doubt I will leave. But if you find any new uh, any new features that will be rolled out to the rest of us months later, <laughs> let us know. Yeah. It'll probably be a while um, to do us for how for how great it is. It's not known for quickly implementing yeah, new features. Yeah, that is very true. All right, well, we have one other item of follow-up. I just wanted to touch base on the, a couple things we've talked about for the last few episodes. So I've been giving diet tracking updates. It continues. It's not that interesting. just rolls on and on. I'm probably, like, marginally less diligent, but not problematically so. I've just found that if I have a lot going on for a weekend, so, like, if I see friends or something for a weekend, then I, you know, it's just going to be really hard to keep up with it. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that's been good. The Huel continues to be good. Huel is obviously just a huge success, the bright point of every day. Um, and uh, and P90X be- rolls along. What's that? I was going to say you're going to be a Huel spokesperson. I actually, uh, yeah. Well, so they sent me a t-shirt in my yep. first order. Yeah. Oh, you might get it again and again. Oh, that would I be have good. Multi- I have multiple Huel t-shirts, which I think, you know, big props to them. They have nice t-shirts. They are like, really comfy, mm-hmm. but they have really weird dimensions i don't know if you found this but i found that it is just it is meant for a body that is nothing like mine it's it a huel body weird. a huel <laughs> body so i guess the huel body has like bigger and shorter arms and like a very very wide neck it's such an odd fit but i actually uh i earlier today i was like you know i have all these t-shirts that i hate that fit weird but I do actually like having cutoff t-shirts. They're very handy. So I was like, this is it. I'm going through the t-shirts. And the ones that don't fit well, they're all becoming cutoffs right now. So I went through a couple, including the Huel shirt, and uh, trimmed them down. So now I'm a Huel spokesperson when I go to the gym and my cutoffs. I'm nice. sure they'll love that. Yeah. That's exactly what they want to happen. Yeah. So what color shirt did you get? I got the black. Always black t-shirts. Okay. Interesting. Why? So they also have gray t-shirts. Yeah. And... When I, I don't remember when I used Huel a year ago, we'll say, uh, I had other friends who were also purchasing Huel and they would always get the gray t-shirts. But for some reason on my side of town, I would always get the black t-shirts. I mean, I don't think it really has to be that <laughs> but that would be the joke. I'm like, well, you just live in the wrong neighborhood. So. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder if the gray ones fit better. I should, uh, should I thought my out. black ones, uh, fit okay but it's the way you describe it is actually really funny because i have short arms and a thick neck made for you so it's made for me i always thought they fit great i was like man i really like this t-shirt. 
<laughs> so to hear you say like, oh, these are such weird t-shirts. They don't fit anybody. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, not anymore. Now, now they fit any person who has arms. There you go. Well. Um, but anyway, so the P90X continues. I've been a little less diligent about that, too, but mostly because I've been trying to switch things up. So uh, this week, actually, I discovered that my company, Gym, which is like part of a larger complex, is open. But the whole complex is a bunch of tech companies, and so no one is in the office. So it's basically uh, a fire code occupancy rate of 350 people, but occupied by about two. So I've been going there a couple times, and it's actually been a really nice change. It is kind of annoying working out with a mask on, but not as, I don't know, not really like problematic. I'm not on the treadmill or anything. And it has been so nice to actually like do gym stuff and lift weights, which I haven't been able to do. You know, I'm just using like dumbbells at home, but being able to do like bench and deadlift and squats yeah so that's, well, that's been a, a nice change that is really quite the find uh hopefully no one else yeah hopefully it doesn't get popular either. that's what i'm monitoring right. i've thought about that's coming gonna... at different times but i was like no i know if i show up at 10 30 to 11 30 nobody's there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah but this gym man i've got so many beefs with this gym it's like such an obviously really expensive gym like it is it was very expensive to build it is a very high quality gym but it is just designed bizarrely like for anybody who's gone to a gym before you would walk in you'd be like okay normal and then you'd start working out and you'd notice all these things are amiss so good example uh you walk up to the dumbbell rack it like most gyms there's one long continuous rack of dumbbells and you'd pick up your dumbbells and you'd start to warm up or do something and you'd realize nowhere in any direction spin at 360 degrees is there a mirror that faces the dumbbell rack you cannot do anything near the dumbbell rack with a mirror. So then you might wonder, where are the mirrors? Well, all the mirrors face the machines. There's a row of machines that face the mirrors, so nobody else can use the mirrors except the machines, which are like, for anybody who doesn't like do any weightlifting, the whole thing about machines is your motion is constrained. Like, it's very hard to do them wrong. Where things like dumbbells or, uh, you know, squats, anything really where you're holding the weight yourself, it's important to look at your form. But you can't because the mirrors are <laughs> occupied next to the machines. It's so weird. Um, and also, obviously, the most important thing you need to have in a gym is a bench press. And there's not one bench press in the whole place. You have to rig up the squat racks to become bench presses. But it's not like it's not a safety concern because they have squat racks, uh, which you can rig up to be benches. I don't understand what the what the reasoning was in designing this bizarre gym. So I've been making the best of it, but it is really odd. I've been moving a lot of equipment around while I was there. And then I have to wipe down everything I use. So I'm usually carrying around like 10 of the little wipes and like <laughs> taking a bench over to the mirrors and stuff, but it still sounds been nice. That sounds miserable. And it just reminds me of numerous experiences of going into gyms and being wondering what in the hell was anyone thinking when yeah. they set this up? The problem is no one was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> You're, it makes zero sense to have the mirrors near the machines at all. Yeah, You can exactly. have mirrors by machines if you want to, but the priority needs to be near the free weights, period. That's just how it needs yeah. to be. <laughs> yes. And I often think, or I've always I've thought when I'm in gyms that are poor, I feel like every gym there's some, th- some problem, which is okay, but... The one what you're describing is pretty egregious. Where I'm like, this is really just yeah. They need to reorganize this place. What I don't understand is this feels like a really simple thing. Like it you or I, like could, if you've been to a gym before, there's only five things you need to do right. It's like it's really hard to mess it up. Right. Yeah. So I really don't understand how 
gyms consistently make these type of mistakes. Yeah, I feel I like if you and I were put in an empty room and you're like, this is the gym and here's all the equipment. Yeah, you immediately know what to do. Yeah, I you know put the exactly what I want to do. Mirrors. Yeah, <laughs> and then you put the machines way in the back, farthest from the mirrors, and you put like the squat racks in between. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I would say, okay, you're missing equipment here. You need a bench press. Yeah, like, there <laughs> yeah needs, I think that's it, the first needs... thing you would notice. <laughs> yes. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense. And yeah, it's, it's funny too because you know, like you pointed out, like this is uh, clearly a really expensive gym. It was expensive to put together, and I think that there is a correlation between the expensive gyms and them being war- like uh, oh, I think being be more right. incorrectly designed. Yeah. I've been to some uh, hole in the wall type gyms, mm-hmm. and they're excellent. It's yeah. everything's exactly where you'd expect it to be. Nobody's getting in your way. And being an idiot and using things incorrectly, the mirrors are always <laughs> oh, like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. The mirrors are always exactly like the right height, exactly where you need them, so you can check your form the whole time. And you go to these like, uh, you know, premier expensive gyms, and you're like, clearly no one knows what's going on yeah. here. This is just so poorly designed. No, it's funny. Now that we talk about this, actually, like the way to describe this gym really came to mind. It screams that it was designed by an architecture firm. Like, it wasn't designed by a gym. It was designed <laughs> by people who were like, we need, like, the premier fitness experience. And so, actually, all of the, you know, anything that has pads. So, for example, like, the free weight benches, it's all leather-colored padding. Like, it really looks like they're leather. Everything is, like, shining, glistening, and, uh, yeah, and everything just looks, like, sparkling new. It's really well done. There's all these fancy lockers with, like, electronic codes that you can use. But it's, like, you just missed the handful of things you had to do right to get a good gym. Yes, yes. And, like, all of that stuff is makes up – doesn't make up at all yeah. for, for the mistakes that they've made. It's, like, it's it doesn't matter. Meanwhile, like, this yeah. gym has, like, those rope things you can do. Yeah. And it, has, uh, <laughs> it has a couple of machines I've never seen before that I had to examine to figure out. It has an upside-down leg press, which I've never seen. So, like, usually on a leg press, you put your back on the ground and you push the weight up. But this one, you, like, rest some stuff on your shoulders and lean back and push down off the ground and move your body up. There were a couple of interesting things like that. Well, it does sound like an interesting gym. It's unfortunate that they made such fatal mistakes so incompetent yeah maybe that's what's keeping people <laughs> away though i'll take that <laughs> they might do a reorg at some point i actually asked them when i first joined which was way back in february and i was like hey this gym is really weird like you don't have any mirrors by the dumbbells like is that gonna get fixed and the guy was like oh no you're right yeah we didn't design it but that is kind of weird i was like has nobody told you like who goes to this gym <laughs> nobody's ever told you that it's a stupid gym i i was flabbergasted it sounds like not this gym's not getting much traffic no definitely is not but <laughs> i i also really think that their business model is like uh upselling you on personal training because mm-hmm. there's a big personal training area and like that has all the premium equipment but also the way i just think in general the way you sell people on personal training is having like fancy stuff instead of functional stuff mm-hmm. you sell them on like oh look how cool this looks and people who are fooled by that also don't have any sense of like what equipment should the gym have where should the mirrors be and they're not bothered by those things yeah that's that makes sense to me also this gym has a huge boxing ring in it which obviously i've never seen anyone use i've only been to the gym five times ever but like what what are you going to do in the boxing ring like surely you're not allowed to actually box in this gym that seems they might let you spar you never know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) maybe maybe so it's a big waste of space too yeah that's actually really funny i've never heard of that i've only ever seen gyms with with rings in them that were like purposely designed to be uh 
Oh, this ring combat is like oriented in the window. It's arranged such that when you walk by the gym, you are forced to look at the front desk and a giant boxing ring, which again has like the fake leather padding all over it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow, look at that. Yeah. I mean, do they have boxing gloves and headgear available? Not that I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> there's never even anybody at the desk anymore because it's so empty. I mean, mm-hmm. I can see why. Like there's two people in there, but there's not one worker. I wanted to ask them what the hours were and I had to walk around the building until I found a different office and ask like, where's the gym office? this this gym just sounds to me like it was built to be showy and not functional they're like what would be what would be a real like eye catcher a boxing ring yeah no for sure (laughs) yeah and there's like a big logo on the window and stuff yeah but uh i mean i'll take it i i paid 110 dollars for the whole year to join that's i joined back in february before i moved i thought well for sure i'll use it a bunch well so much for that but i'm still gonna use it a handful of times and it's pretty cheap i mean for 110 a year that's an excellent it really is and that's also why they must be making money on something else like personal training right or it's just like uh the cost is distributed across all these different tech companies yeah. that are in the building and no I one ever shows up. I think that at one point, but they're definitely like the gym is run by a separate company, which makes me think that they are making money somehow. Like it's not mm. run by the building. I actually asked about it and they said they, they have like sold the rights to run the gym to another company or something. I see. But anyway, that's been the interruption of my P90X recently. So I think when I go back to P90X and it's like all the really intense stuff, like right now I'm doing like really slow heavy lifts because I haven't done them for so long and taking like long breaks in between. So when I go back to P90X, I'm going to be really, really tired, but it is a nice break and uh, hopefully build some strength. Yeah, I've certainly been missing the gym and free weights. I've been using resistance bands and they're great in a pinch, but I definitely prefer free weights dumbbells or barbells yeah the resistance bands what are really tough about it is to get that consistent resistancy that's exactly what i was gonna say and it's not possible really um which is because they get harder to move the farther you move them right right and at the bottom of like whatever the lift is there's absolutely no resistance at all Mm. but whereas at the bottom of a dumbbell or of a bicep curl you're holding the dumbbell still like they're like your body is still working when yeah. I'm holding the resistance band at the bottom of my bicep curl, it's absolutely no. Yeah. Uh, uh, it would have really curl. weird ways of developing your muscles, I would think. Because, like, in a lot of cases, you use a slightly different part of the muscle at the top of the movement than the bottom, right? So mm-hmm. you're probably getting a lot more work there. Yeah, I think that's true. But that's what I have. Yeah. No gym, no gym I mean, it's, available. It's good to have some variety, though. Like, you'll do this for a while and someday return to the regular stuff. But you'll, I think it's probably good for your body to have different things. I agree with that. But I do look forward to to going to a gym again. Um, I guess I'll have to shop around whenever like things return to some semblance of normalcy. Yeah. Uh, I certainly will not be looking for a gym <laughs> like the one you described. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I will want nears to be you... near the free weights. <laughs> well, that's our follow-up for today. So what should we hit of our main topics? NBA Finals seems topical very newsworthy or noteworthy yeah have you been watching all of it yeah yeah i have i i also have i've been very let down i last night was the first game i only half watched most of the playoffs i would uh i would like sort of watch uh, hard hard to describe i guess i would like put most of my attention towards it at first and then depending on how interesting it was i would either start half watching or i would like really zone in for the rest of the game um but the finals I did that for the first two and they were disappointing. And now luckily game three, the series is now tied. Uh, so I will probably do it for game four, but also mm-hmm. I'm disappointed that the game I did not watch carefully was the most interesting of the three. 
Right. I think I followed a similar approach where I'm like sort of half watching until like halfway through the third quarter where I'll like check in and see, you know, is this close? Is this competitive? And then I'll like tune in for the rest of the game. And versus the finals, I've been trying to pay attention the whole time. And I fell into a similar trap where game three, I was paying less attention because I yeah. sort of just thought it was a foregone conclusion what the result would be. Same, same. So that shows us. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, yeah, it's frustrating. Yes. I mean, it has been pretty good basketball. It's just two teams that I don't find wildly interesting, uh, which has made it harder to watch, but still okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think the basketball has been interesting still. What I find myself a little more intrigued by, though, is some of the less of the actual basketball itself and some of just the personalities and on-court um interactions that are occurring oh yeah the one with the most notable at least from that i've know that i've seen is uh lebron james's body language and like facial expressions throughout the games okay like he seems he's really locked in you could describe but what that translates into is when <laughs> the younger players on his team or even the veterans are making mistakes it oh, like yeah. is clearly irritating him and really pissing him off yeah <laughs> And it's like late into the uh, last uh, game three, there were a few times where he looked like just livid. Yeah. Like you could just see it all in his body language. Like you just lost this game. I can't believe you just did that. I can't yeah. believe you just turned the ball over <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Well, defensive mistakes too. Like a couple, a couple basketball writers have pointed this out that he's just a lot more bought in on defense, but also is like holding other people accountable on defense more, which is interesting to watch. And they they have run some like legitimately interesting defenses, which is not. Well, this year, there's just been a big resurgence of zone, which a lot of people have talked about, and that has been really interesting. But um, the Lakers have played some of it, and certainly I never remember LeBron's Cleveland teams doing that. Nope. So there's just more variety in what they're doing. And it's also fun because he and Anthony Davis provide such versatility and defensive scheme that they're fun to watch doing that. It's true. Yeah, and the zone resurgence is huge. I feel like the Heat were kind of – um, yeah, they were the first, really. First ones doing it in the earlier rounds. And it was actually kind of funny. It caught the commentators off guard, like, they're in a zone defense right now? And then it was working. And it yeah. kept working. Yeah, it has been weirdly very effective, yeah. I wonder why that is. Because my uh, understanding was always that the zone buster was the ability to shoot a three-pointer. Which yeah. I don't think either of these teams really struggle in that regard. I don't I don't have a good sense of it at all. I mean the Lakers probably not the best three point shooting team, but just because they get so much interior penetration, they create threes, but not a lot of great shooters. But even so, yeah. Well I guess they kind of have busted it in the first two games. But yeah, it it's been interesting to follow, but I don't know enough. I guess if my memory's correct, even in game three, they shot a really good percentage from three and they made a lot of three pointers. And I wonder if that's at all correlated to when they're playing zone uh zone defense. The zone defense is great in stopping the penetration. I think, though, it opens a lot of – creates a lot of open shots in the corners or in the yeah. wings. And I think that's why zone is really popular, among other things, but popular in college because the uh, three-point shooting capability is just much lower. So then it's not as big of a threat. Yeah. Well, I think also, from from my understanding – key part of beating the zone is having a really good read on where everybody is on the floor and how the zone defenders will respond because you grow up playing against man-to-man the vast majority of the time and so even average players have like a sense of what kinds of passes will be open 
but you do see and Rondo and LeBron both have made some like really incisive passes in places where you don't expect them to go in this finals um, because of the zone. Like you need to have a sense. You just need to have a sense of a different kind of defense and how people are going to move because of that. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they you also see them run a lot of uh, things to get somebody at the the nail. It's called like the middle of the free yeah. free throw line. Um, but if you don't, if you can't shoot from there, it seems like it doesn't work very well. Like the Celtics tried that against the Heat, and it was not that effective. They had Marcus Smart there a lot, and it uh, it did not seem like that was the answer. But the Lakers have done it even with Rondo, and it has worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the one a huge takeaway for for I feel like everybody is going to be, man, Jimmy Butler just oh, yeah, puts the team on his back. He refuses to lose. He is quite the competitor. I mean, everybody made fun of him. No, I won't say the One of the tropes or memes that you would see on social media about Jimmy Butler was when he left 76ers. He was going there. He was going to Miami for a payday. He wasn't going to be in the playoffs. Certainly never going to be in the finals. Yeah. And he showed all, all of us wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's really maybe. impressive. My my you... priors on Jimmy Butler are quite negative, so I it will take more than this to change my mind. I think that's quite the statement, considering he's they've gone to the finals. But I don't think that he's actually been that good in the playoffs. I don't think he's been their best player by any means. I think I think Bam Adebayo has been by a lot of accounts, certainly on defense, but I think maybe even on offense. Yeah, I mean Bam's a great player, but he wasn't on the floor last night. Yeah, that's the thing. It'll always be like this game. Jimmy Butler right. will have yeah yeah 40 but I think, yeah. 11 and 11 but I mean I, that's yeah. a really impressive stat line it is an impressive stat line I don't know I find I find him very overrated I, I do not I don't know we'll see I, I will change my mind my priors are strong but not that strong if he continues this the rest of the finals I would change my mind I mean but I, I don't I still impressed. think that it's going to be like a 4-1 if they steal another game that will be really impressive it would be very impressive who knows they could come back the other players could come back that is true, but it's Dragic and uh, and Bam Adebayo are out out right now. Uh, I would agree with you that Bam is perhaps the best player on the Heat. Uh, I still don't think though that that detracts from what Jimmy Butler has proven he can do, and yeah. how he's put. He's really elevated his team. I feel like in terms of competitiveness, perhaps he doesn't make them uh, better players quote-unquote, like LeBron does, right, for his team. But I think he brings them a competitive edge that they didn't have before. That's interesting. I'm I'm wary of that kind of reasoning, though it may be true, because I just think that that is, like, often, like, the talking head approach to it, deciding yeah, who's good and who's bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's easy to say, like, I don't understand why this guy is good, so I'll just say he's competitive. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, he may he may well be good, but I think yeah, I think he has butted heads with everybody in every stop and it makes oh, me yes. think it's a big problem. Yeah. This is the yeah. first time that hasn't been true. I think though he's he's commented on that and stated, you know, part of it is that the culture in Miami is different and it's like yeah. somewhat melded to him or like that it was closer right to, to him, him, closer to the way he wanted the culture to be. My understanding is he went to Minnesota and he was like you guys just are losers and we're yeah. not going to be losers anymore. And then everyone got offended. And I'm like, what's to get offended by? You are a bunch of losers and you lose all Maybe. the time. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and the they, same thing it, occurred with the 76ers. So I know he beat, he beat the start, right? The, this is the story that came out of practice yeah. is he took the starters 
uh, in in a pickup game and beat him. Yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> it was him on the bench against the starters, and he won. And I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, believe I probably it. do. I probably do. I mean, he got traded for a reason, Ethan. They were so hurt by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he had the whole press thing lined up, too. I forget. That's been a while now. I do remember that. I mean, that's going to be one I take. I remember forever. Like, remember when Jimmy Butler was <laughs> called out his teammates? Do you think he'll teammates? go to the Hall of Fame? Oh, that's a tough question. I don't think he's done enough yet. Yeah. But he's still pretty young. Like, and if he makes a career in Miami, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, that's the thing. If they, if they like, did well again next year, I think it would be sealed. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not sure his resume is very strong. But I actually think it's he not. might. Like, I think even being – like having a finals game like last night might just put you in the hall of fame if you were a decent player the rest of your career hall of fame in basketball is kind of weak right it is it is it's not like i guess baseball i think is considered one of the hardest ones yeah. to get into jimmy butler yeah. the third was born september 14th 1989 yeah yeah so he's uh i guess 29 20 30 so he's still got plenty of years of basketball to play yeah yeah hmm. i think what is interesting about this point in his career is he really has something now that he can hang his hat on and prove all the naysayers to point at to say that all the naysayers are wrong. <laughs> or, yeah, like, or just be wildly insufferable to every teammate he ever has, <laughs> which I think is also going to happen. Everybody yeah. who tries to argue with him, he's going to be like, no, you never put up whatever it was for yeah. him in the finals. You didn't take your team to the finals like I did when no yeah. one thought we were going to. We beat the favorite out of the East. And three to one, uh, four to one, like basically destroyed them. Yeah, basically did. Yeah. Uh, and they had the MVP oh, candidate on their I'm team. Dreading this already. Yeah, man, this is gonna be terrible. It's I just like a really strong narrative, and that's what it's always it is all about. Yeah, I do think. Yeah, I think we've like vastly overrated the Heat. I like. I don't. I don't know. I I think I that mean, we are witnessing a, a lot of aberrations in the playoffs and are sort of like basically we saw like four very similar strength teams and the heat got out of it and now people are like the heat are better but i don't think that is true. i'm not sure that's true either so i get that but the narrative is going to be that he did it and he did it against the best competition coming out of the east when it was i think going into the playoffs a foregone conclusion that the bucks would easily get to the finals that was my <laughs> that's what i thought yeah. was going to happen that's what i think most people thought were going to happen um but obviously that that's not what's what what occurred and with jimmy butler's career and having bounced around a lot you know starting in chicago and being very promising but not able to turn that into success and him sort of saying you know this is an organizational problem this isn't a me problem and then Going to the Timberwolves, yeah, bouncing out of there real quick to the 76ers, then tr- getting traded again, the narrative kind of started to turn on him where I think people you know, gave him the benefit of the doubt and was like, yeah, the Bulls are a bad organization. You know, We're not going to say this yeah. is Jimmy Butler problem. This is a Bulls problem. But then as he bounced around, people were – I mean, I, I know that I was starting to think, like, maybe this is a Jimmy Butler thing. Like, he just can't stick and he's – uh, you know, bad for organizations and he creates bad rock locker room culture or whatever. But him landing in Miami, him going to Miami and doing this with that team, with their team and um, their culture being so strong. It yeah. really, really, it really flips that narrative and says, you know, all those teams were the problem. 
it's because they were not winners. It's because they didn't want to work hard and they didn't want to play yeah. the way that I wanted to play. Yeah. I mean, it's, it has flipped my view a little bit on that. I, yeah, I used to think he was just going to be a problem wherever he went, but clearly it's possible for that not to be the case. But I'm also not convinced that those other teams were hopeless. Like, I, I think you need to learn how to work with different people, just like at a job. That's you need fair. to not hate everybody who doesn't try as hard as you. Yeah, but also, like, this is the highest level of competition. We're all supposed to be professionals, and you guys want to get upset when I call you out for playing poorly. Like, Maybe, call me, And he says visible. he wants people to hold him accountable as well. And my understanding is he does accept it. People call him out and say you're you weren't didn't you didn't play you didn't play a hundred percent on that on that play. You 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 know, check it out on defense or whatever. And he's like, I'll own that. That's my that's on me. It seems like he went to these other teams with other superstars and they weren't having it. Maybe and it's I don't know. I also feel like these people didn't ask to have to play with him. Like I that's I true. construct a weird situation where like I work at a job that I'm good at but don't kill myself at. And then suddenly a new employee comes in and is like, we could be the best company in the world if you would just try harder. And I'd be like, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that's on them, right? Like this is, uh, I get what you're saying, like, but your analogy falls short in that this is competitive sports and you're supposed to be in it to win championships. That's what your fan base wants. That's what maybe. the organization wants. If you don't, if you're not down for the cause of winning a title, then you need to tell everybody. Because they're obviously going to make yeah, different but you decisions. You can't. Everybody will kill you. I don't know. I right, have a lot exactly. of sympathy. There's a yeah. good reason because that's what we're all here for. <laughs> no, I don't know. I have a lot of sympathy for the pro athletes. They're like, ah, eh, this is fine. This is good enough. I don't want to try that hard. Like Shaq. I, yeah. Well, Shaq has four rings. Yeah, Shaq like, actually did win. And Bad he did example. win. And it was in the it was in like the the back half of his career when he was like, eh. but he was still competitive and strong, like a good player. Yeah. The thing that me is like he went to young teams with young talent. He was should have been an excellent fit in Philly. You got Joel Embiid, you got Ben Simmons, you got Jimmy Butler, and then you got a whole bunch of great role players. You should be a, a strong contender to come out of the East. But yeah, apparently maybe. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid didn't want to play the way that he wanted to play. They didn't want to compete at the level that he wanted to compete, which yeah. I know is like a notorious, or notorious isn't the right word, but that is a knock against um, the Sixers franchise is that – they have not gotten their young talent to really buy in and like put in the hard work. They've shown all the promise. They've shown all of uh, the glimpses you need to say, see to say like they could be generational talents, but they've never made it over that hump to, I don't know, go to the next level. And like Joel Embiid, he often comes into the season out of shape, overweight. He doesn't eat right. Yeah. Ben Simmons refuses to shoot still. He's wide open. His teammates are begging him on the bench, shoot the ball, <laughs> and he won't do it. You're like, what is this? You got one guy who doesn't want to stay in shape. You got another dude who won't even shoot, and this is the game of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jimmy Butler comes in here. He's like, come on, like, let's, like, let's, let's have a, a culture where we are going to compete at the highest level, and we are here to win, and that's all we're focused on, and let's hold each other accountable. And they say, no, nah, we're good. We're not into that. You're bad for our culture. You make us not feel good. But if I was a professional athlete, I feel like I would thrive on having somebody come in who is talented like Jimmy Butler and says, like, I want to take it to the next level. I feel like I could buy into that. So it's strange to me that other young athletes aren't buying into that. So I agree. I actually I do agree because there are there are players that I think have done that and it is pretty cool. But Jimmy Butler got too many chances. He was bad at it every time. Like, the Heat have a, a long-running culture. Like, he came into the Heat culture 
which existed and That's liked true. it. But he did a horrible job with all of the other players. It's like learn conflict management, like and also learn how to be a leader. Like you don't get credit for being a leader for like coming into an existing culture and just being okay at it and like not not breaking the culture. It's like the the hard thing is to go into these other teams with talented superstars who are trying and figure out what it takes to get them to work hard. Mm-hmm. And he did all the wrong things apparently. Everyone That's hated true. him. Like that, that you don't get points for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I think that there's uh valid points on both sides of the conversation i totally get what you're saying the harder thing really is to figure out what it is that's holding this that team back and work to solve those problems versus just yelling at people and saying that they need to try harder and, and that type of thing i think ultimately yeah i have a hard time accepting that he's a very good player because it seems like he would fail in almost any situation it's like you need the perfect situation for him and that isn't the mark of like really the best players the best players thrive anywhere and figure out ways to make things work but he seems to fail most places and in like the exact perfect situation he is a very good player which is what we're seeing now i think that that's a fair point but i also think that you can be a great player but also still need the right situation or you need your organization to meet you halfway like if you ha- if you are a Le- LeBron James caliber player, you are successful wherever you go. Just one because you are so talented, and two, you have mastered the skills of being able to create a team's culture, create a team identity, and get everyone to buy in. Jimmy Butler just is not that, and he won't ever be. The but that doesn't mean one he isn't a great player, and two has the characteristics of a leader that can lead a team. He just needs a team that's willing to buy in with him. Is sort of how I see it. In the Miami Heat, had that already. You're totally right that he came into the right situation. He came into a culture that had already existed and was um, well renowned for for how competitive they were and you know the Miami Heat way. Um, but it's you. I feel like the proof is in the product. Like you come to a team that wants to compete and that has a strong culture, and that uh, that matches up with Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler excels. He pushes his team further. They play great. They go to the NBA Finals. You put them on the you put them on the Timberwolves. It has a weak culture, notoriously weak culture, just bad attitudes, and uh, you know, sort of rotating door uh, in terms of like their personnel and head coach. And you get that product where everybody's fighting. No one wants to work. Like you can't get along. And to the same, the same could be said of the Seventy Sixers. Like really poorly run franchise. Somewhat of an embarrassment almost. And some of the some of the list, like laughable things that they've done, and uh, you know Jimmy Butler doesn't fit there. I don't, that's sort yeah. of it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I, it's I, gonna... I get I, your point is well taken though. Like the best players can win anywhere, and they can establish the culture themselves. But that still doesn't mean that Jimmy Butler it can't be considered a great player, even though he doesn't have that ability. Well, it depends on where the cutoff is, right? Because I think you could you could say the the top ten to fifteen players we'll just drag any team to some level of success. I think we have pretty good evidence of that, actually. Like, I don't know where the cutoff is. Maybe, like, Lillard. But, like, even Lillard has, like, huge weaknesses. But I think almost any team he's going to be on will make the playoffs somehow. Um, I mean, you can see that the Blazers were really bad this year outside of him. And I think we have pretty clear evidence that is not Jimmy Butler. But, yeah, he may he may just be a different true. kind. I mean, there's I, – I follow this guy, Ben Taylor, a lot, who uh, – his big thing about basketball is scalability, how like certain player skills and player types are good, but they're more like floor raisers. They're, they'll always be okay, 
but then there's a certain player type that continues to be very good even as the team around them gets better and jimmy butler probably is that kind of player like versatile wing defender and also thrives on good culture um the example Ben Taylor always gives is Clay Thompson. Like the skill set he has is super useful. He doesn't need the ball. He shoots. He plays defense. He moves a lot. That's like exactly what you want at the highest level team. But he might not be a very good engine of a team who's mm-hmm. bad. That makes uh, sense. But Jimmy Butler, like culturally, might be that kind of player. Yeah. No. And you make a good point too about the best players in the NBA. Where that cutoff is probably shifts from over time. We'll say top ten players like they're going to drag their team to the playoffs and they're going to be competitive and they might win a series just on their talent alone. Jimmy Butler wasn't that he isn't that he hasn't done that. Um, so he's certainly an interesting player. He's somewhat made a mark for himself in this 2020 season. Yes. So we're going to have to hear about him a lot, but what's really funny is we're going to record this episode and take a long time to edit it. And the finals will be over for so long and there will have been at least two more games. And we'll have like (laughs) a lot of evidence about Jimmy Butler that we don't have right now. That's so true. Yep. You're right. You're right. When the Miami heat are the 2020. Yeah. If he uh, scores 60 (laughs) points in the next three games and they come back to win, I am going to look pretty dumb. (laughs) Yes. Not looking Um, forward to that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Interesting all uh, nonetheless, though. It's been fun. Yes. I'll miss basketball when it's over. Right? Me too, but I'll also be happy to have my time back. <laughs> I won't complain. <laughs> that is true. I will say that this NBA postseason has been more exhausting, which is saying something because every NBA postseason can be exhausting. Yeah. But this one especially was just like, I it was like agree. a sprint and a marathon combined. Mm-hmm. It's like every day you're watching games. Like if you care about this, you have to watch it because yep. you're going to get it for like two months and then it's over. Yep. 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 <laughs> That's exactly how I felt too. Yeah. No, it'll be a bit, it will be a big relief. Even the tapering down has been a big relief. Yeah, it has. It's it's now at the pace. The The conference finals was still a little tough because um, it was every other night, but it was only one game and they started earlier in the yeah. evening, which was good. Um but the finals are great because every other night to get a night off, which is super helpful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we get two this week, actually. After, what, tomorrow's a game, and then we have Wednesday and Thursday off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. All right. Okay. Tell us about Dark Souls. Oh. So I just replayed Dark Souls 3 on New Game Plus. And I don't know what that is. New Game Plus. Yeah. So for those who don't know, like Ethan new game plus is when you've played through a game already and you've completed it. You then start the game over from the beginning, but you keep all of your attributes and all of your items and all of your skills and you replay the game on a, uh, higher difficulty setting. So higher than hard. Like, are there multiple difficulty settings at the first time you play? No. So dark souls does not have difficulty settings. It's (laughs) So (laughs) there's one and it's difficult (laughs) is the difficulty setting very hard. Um, But so new game plus is there isn't an option on terms of difficulty setting. And it, I'm not sure if anything else changed besides the fact that the enemies had more health and had were stronger in terms of the amount of damage they could put out. Mm -hmm. There maybe had been some other small things, but I didn't notice Everything else felt the same pretty much. I mean, you can certainly feel like see how much stronger the enemies are, especially in the late game. In the early, early game, I was like, oh, this is a breeze. I'm like killing everything so easy. I was like, I thought New Game Plus was going to be difficult. <laughs> and, then, and then by mid game, I was like, oh, this is getting kind of hard. And then by the late game, I was like, oh my, this is ridiculous. I was like, I cannot believe how strong everything is. 
Um, but it was still a lot of fun. And the reason I did this is because a friend of mine started playing uh, Dark Souls um, through for the first time. And I was helping him out with some stuff. And it just got me back into it. I like, <laughs> oh, I want to play this again. Yeah. And so I did. And uh, I don't regret it. I got through it way faster than I did the first time. The first time took me 60 hours. The second time I was done in like 20. So um, good. Uh, only wasted a little bit of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it was a really interesting experience because I never go back and play games. Never. I never yeah. do new game pluses. I never restart a game. Um, but I guess that's just a testament to how much Dark Souls hooked me is that it uh, was able to pull me back in and go through a new yeah, game Yeah, that is plus. pretty good. The only one I've done that with is Bioshock. So that's, as we talked about a couple times ago, that's my analogy. Yeah, yeah. So highly recommend it if you're still looking for a game. Well, the fun thing, the, part of the reason why a friend, the friend of mine is, is playing through it is that on the PS5, Demon Souls is going to be a launch title for the new console. That was the first game that From Software made, so it is sort of the uh, predecessor to Dark Souls oh, and Dark so Souls Three. So they're remaking 3. it. Yeah, they're remastering it. It looks beautiful. It seriously looks insanely good. It's it's crazy how they must have been a lot of work <laughs> to to really update because huh. the game came out in like 2008, and it just looks like a totally different game now. Um, but it plays a lot like much the same way. Like you're a knight type character in this dark and kind of a scary world and there are like swordsman enemies and dead skeletons and demons you have to fight and all this stuff and it's just basically predicated on you have to explore your way through this world and there are going to be a lot of boss fights it's and it's going to be really difficult um and so he he was saying like yeah, I'm really excited for Demon Souls. And I'm like, do you even know if you want to play Demon Souls? Do you even know if you will get through Demon Souls? Like, I don't want you to build this up in your head <laughs> and go buy this console and then hate the game. I was like, yeah. you ought to play Dark Souls first. Otherwise, you don't know what you're really getting yourself into. So uh, that's what he's been doing. Very wise. And what does he think? Uh, that it's hard. <laughs> okay. Seems the standard review. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's been funny, though, because he is very particular about his gaming experience and, and especially spoilers and what's really challenging about the dark souls games is that they don't tell you anything there are no instructions really there's no intro there's no go here do this thing it's you're just sort of dropped into the world and expected to find your way so there's just a whole lot of stuff that if you haven't played it before you don't understand that you're either doing something wrong or you're totally missing things or you're doing things out of order but he doesn't want to be told what to do mm, yeah. and he doesn't want to look at a walkthrough and he doesn't want anything spoiled yeah, good for so him like, but that sounds very difficult right and so he's making it even harder on himself but i'm like hey if that's the way you want to play like yeah. this is the way it's going to be and it made me laugh though because he he messages me the other night and he goes i tried to fight the fire demon thing and I tried, but then I ran away and I died. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, did your non-playable character friend survive? Because this is very important. Yeah. At least like for part of the story, you can still play through the whole game, but there's this fun part of the story that if this character is dead, um, you're going to totally miss out on it. And he goes, no, he died. That's why I ran away. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a real shame. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all I could say because I don't want to spoil yeah, anything. Yeah. 
He's like, why is that bad? I'm like, it's just a real shame that that <laughs> happened to you. He's like, well, I got all of his cool stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Pros and cons. <laughs> so that's, anyways, that's uh, yeah, my little so tidbit there. Play, replay Dark Souls 3. Maybe one day I'll go through Noon Game Plus 2. I don't know. We'll see. Wow. High reviews, though. The best game I've, the, it's my favorite game, I think, now, for sure. Wow. Okay. Man. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll put it on the list. I, uh, yeah, I've continued my, this is almost follow up, but I've continued my, like, actively not doing as much run. Uh, but actually, have not had a lot of video games. It's kind of interesting. Like, at the beginning, there were a lot of video games, um, all NBA 2K. I've now spent, I don't know, 70,000 hours on that game. Um, <laughs> 80,000 unclear uh it's all i play and i just listen to podcasts and just play basketball and it is so great um but and yet not great it's like not really that fulfilling because at the end you're just like oh, i just played another season now it's 2043 it was <laughs> last year um but it is like a very good relaxing game but yeah other than that i haven't really done any video games and even that has really tapered off which is nice and now i was like doing some reading which i know i have on our topic list so you had told me you were reading a vim book so I knocked out a, a book on PyTest, which is a testing, for anybody unfamiliar, it is a testing framework for uh, code that you write in Python. So you might write tests to make sure that the code you wrote actually works the way you expect. And then Vim, which we talked about last time, the editor. And the, the Vim book was um, helpful. It t- touched on a lot of things that I had no interest in, though, like writing mm-hmm. your own plugins and... Um, also using plugins i'm like very very opposed to doing anything with vim because it's like the whole point of this is that it's available everywhere so why am i going to like heavily customize it um i did get one plugin which is okay Uh, i have to decide if i'm going to stick with it but Mm -hmm. i learned a lot i learned a lot of little things i'm not sure actually i have a note maybe i'll pull that up one thing that is like peripherally relevant to this conversation is at long last with scribble the new ipad feature um I find the pencil incredibly useful. I use mm-hmm. it all the time. Um, interesting. When I read, I take screenshots of things that I find interesting, and then I use Scribble to write a note and then file it away into like a larger note on the entire book. And so I have all my notes from this Vim book in the same document with like screenshots and text that I wrote. It has actually been super, super nice. I don't need to have my keyboard with me to type this stuff um you were right the registers thing very helpful um how to link your registers to the system clipboard is pretty cool oh that wasn't i didn't even know that was possible oh yeah 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 it's actually not too hard um using paragraphs like jumping by paragraph i didn't know was possible um deleting is that the shift and shift uh bracket curly bracket or is this a different shift paren yeah now i've lost it i think so shift oh no it is it is brace yeah curly brace yeah yep um yeah jumping to the next instance of a character on a line that sounds very helpful and then deleting and changing inside of blocks so you can say like delete inside parentheses oh yeah delete oh, inside yeah. word that's inside great. of quotes yeah, yeah that stuff oh killer um yeah it's a good thing you picked folding. this up yeah yeah well now i'm like actually slowing down in vim because i know how to do everything but not in the fastest possible way yep. so i have to like pause and be like no don't do it the way you think you want to mm-hmm. like, take a minute and see if there's a better way yeah i do the same i do the same it seems like you've touched on a number of the same things i got out of my vim book at the beginning and then mine does the same thing where it goes into a whole bunch of stuff where i'm really not that interested in it but like the changing within whatever parentheses 
quotations, brackets, that's a game changer. Super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, the register, like you already pointed out. And then being able to tie that to the system clipboard would be even like better. That would go another level. Um, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. What? It was a quick read too. Although not super well written, but I just kind of plowed through it. What did you think about your pie test book? Would you recommend it? Uh, also not very well written, um, but I don't know of any better resources other than just reading the straight docs. So if you want to use pie test, I think reading, uh, reading the like basics of the docs is the place to start. That's what I did first. Mm-hmm. And then when I wanted to know more, I went to this book. And if I wanted to know even more than that, I'd probably just read the API, which sounds right. insane, but I think that's probably the next step because there's not a lot of stuff, not, not a lot of depth out there. I was just going to say when you pointed out, but you've said it for me, <laughs> there's like not much better. Like it's, not, it's poorly yeah. written, but there's not much else. That is so true. And it's fascinating to me because it seems like PyTest is what everyone's using. So why isn't there a better resource? Yeah. PyTest has become a lot, uh, a big part of um, some work I've been doing recently. And so I've learned a lot about it. I've read the docs and I've read maybe some like blog posts and stuff. But I still feel like there is so much about PyTest that I don't understand and like pa- you, like powerful things it could be doing that I'm just completely oblivious to. Yeah. But there's no, you know, how to get started with PyTest book that sort of walks you through everything. This might be that. It's available through O'Reilly, um, like through the O'Reilly app. But it, I just don't think that it's extremely well presented. Some of the things could be done more clearly. But it did hint at a lot of functionality that I know I can investigate when I need it. There were mm-hmm. quite a few things like that where I was like, I don't really understand this, but I'll come back and I'll know where to look in the docs for it now. I see. I see. Well, maybe I'll have to check that out just for the next time I'm like hitting a pie test problem. I'm, I'm <laughs> hitting those more and more frequently. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was something I would, you know, coming in to my career, I would never have thought that like something I was going to have to develop deep expertise in as a testing framework for a language yeah. I use, but really like it's top five things I need to know the most about. No, certainly. Once you start to do once you start to try to create modules and repeatable, like reusable functionality that you want to share across people or across projects, the testing becomes super important. And the number of times I've caught really stupid mistakes that I've (laughs) put into code from writing a test is quite embarrassing. (laughs) So it's just really necessary. It's really, really, and it's, I've actually started to dabble with the test-driven um, design oh, yeah? type yeah. of framework where you first start by writing your test and then you go and build the function. And then you first, it's sort of done in passes where you write your test and then you write a function that achieves, that passes the test um, in a MVP fashion. So mm-hmm. minimum viable function where it doesn't have any bells and whistles, it may not be factored very nicely, but it will the test will pass. And then from there, you begin to do uh, iterations of refactoring. So cleaning up code, making it better, adding a feature, whatever. And between each iteration, you run your test and or your set of tests, and you make sure they continue to pass. So I've been dabbling with that, um, which is a really interesting approach because that is not how I've ever um approached a, a, a coding problem but it really does sort of put 
your focus on the right things because to be able to write an effective test, you need to understand what it is you're actually building. And a lot of times it's really easy to get started when you only half know what you're doing with a function. Mm. You cannot really do that with a test because you're often testing the output. You're like, okay, well, what am I going to assert about this thing? What are some reasonable checks that I need to make about it? It makes you think carefully about what you want. Yeah. Like what does this do? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I found certain cases where I think it works really well and certain cases where I really, really hate it. Uh Yeah. It just really depends. I don't do it each time. I've only I've, I've sort of flip flopped, mm-hmm. where I've done it. I've done it. I've got I've done it on a certain task. I've not done it for another task. I don't know um, if I feel strongly one way or the other yet about it. I find that in cases where what I'm really doing is like making a process simpler for users that they would be able to do otherwise. Um, so, for example, like. Um, Instead of having to authenticate to some service, I want to return to them an object that holds their authentication and a connection to that service or something. Um, There, I am going to want to do it interactively. Like, I'm going to want to build the function and then play with it and get the object back and be like, does this work in the ways I expect? Is Mm -hmm. is this actually handy? And so pre-specifying it sort of misses the mark. Like, I often feel like, obviously, planning up front is almost always helpful, but there is over planning like some things cannot be discovered until you work on the thing and then you discover like how do i want it to work how hard is it going to be i think there's a lot about like the whole scrum methodology i think that like separating planning from doing is very foolish um but i that's sort of what i think about these like more user focused convenience things but then you have other things that are like there's a clear answer like uh, this is a, a thing that solves a problem and the problem is not a user interface problem it is just like i need this to be done and in mm-hmm. those cases it's much easier to assert that they get done and sometimes starting with tests makes it simpler right right that's i think i maybe have been doing more of the latter where it's you know accept some input and perform some algorithm over that input and then return an object and I can easily mock up what the input's going to be. So then I could write a test that in where in my head I know, okay, well, this is what the input's going to be. And at the end, it's going to look like this. So I can test these things about it. And then in the middle, you know, the black box is the function I'm going to create that's going to do the thing. Um, but I, I get what you're saying, though, where... There's sometimes there are some problems where you're not quite sure exactly how you want to return things yet. Yeah. So you start to build, and then you you begin to iterate, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna return it like this, and then you play with it, and you're like, well, actually, that doesn't feel right. I mm-hmm. would rather maybe tweak it like tweak it in some way and, and try it. And that pro- that's actually really valuable, I think, like approach to the problem. And so then if you spent any time writing your test before, you just tear uh, up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's AP. Yeah. Ultimately it's API design problems. Yeah. And I think thinking carefully about API design is really important. And you see, you see clearly that a lot of people don't and it results in these really unpleasant user experiences. Yeah. And that's certainly something. And I mean, if you have any resources, point me to them is not something I've been able to really find like a great source for of that the concept of api design yeah and i'd love one focus on python it's like well how do you create good apis in python i would love that too yeah it's just like how do you be intuitive and pythonic like so much of api design i've realized because it's just as i get older and i do more it's like no like the way i did it last time just doesn't feel right for reasons that i didn't even know back then it's like it doesn't Mm -hmm. play nice with other things in the language it's like just not the way other packages do things 
Right. Like the most obvious example is when you first start, you name things wrong. You don't use, I think it's called snake case where it's like all yes. lowercase and underscores. But then as, as you get more experience, then you're like, oh, but then there's these other things. Like I think that, um, you know, there, there shouldn't be any like magic happening under the hood when I call certain methods with certain names. There should be no side effects, for example. And so then you start cleaning up things like that. And as, as you go on, you find more and more things that are like, this feels unintuitive to do it this way. It would be better to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree with that. I'm not sure how you would teach it, though. It's just it's basically just like a list of things if you presented it to someone. That's yeah. why feel is so important. <laughs> I get. I agree with that. And perhaps it's only, you know, you can only gain this type of thing through experience. Um, I often feel like I end up investing a lot. And it's not a bad thing, but I know it's not going to be read as much as it should be. But I often invest a ton into the doc string. Yeah. As I'm building the function, I'm like, well, let me detail like exactly what this is going to do and what each argument is meant to represent and what are all the types. But I just know that rather than reading the doc string, you're just going to get questions and be like, yeah. your thing, your thing, it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, it's because you passed the wrong type. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that is very frustrating. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're a little over an hour, so maybe choose one or two more things. Anything you want to talk about? Um... What was your, I want to hear about your experience with the uh, Apple Music. Oh, okay. Yeah, so with the announcement of Apple One at the recent Apple event, recent-ish, who knows when you'll actually hear this episode, um, the uh, package that Apple has of services includes um, what the basic one is like Apple Music, iCloud in a really small amount, Apple TV, which nobody wants, and another apple service nobody wants but i forget what it was um news did you say news news. oh yeah news which really nobody wants in comparison apple tv (laughs) looks wildly popular um so the the mini bundle is totally worthless i don't know who would ever get that but even apple music nobody really likes i think i know like a handful of people who have it but um then there's like an intermediate bundle and then there's the premiere one and the premiere one comes with apple fitness which i'm quite interested in trying um and it has a much bigger iCloud quota, which would be useful. And so adding it all up, it could be worth it to me to get the Premier Bundle for my whole family because I would be able to split it with my parents. It would take care of our iCloud storage. It would get them a couple things they don't have right now. Um, and importantly, it would also get them the equivalent of Spotify because they I got my dad a Spotify gift card at one point and he liked it a lot. But I don't think he has an active account now. So I'm doing the math on should I do this. And I thought, well, the only way it makes sense is if I like all these things. And I like did the math, actually. I needed to actually like Apple Music, and it would have to replace Spotify for me. So I was like, I'm going to use it for a while and see, you know, is it adequate? So I've been taking some notes. Um, but the, the top line is that I haven't even been able to completely sever my relationship with Spotify. Like, it's just not good enough. There's still once or twice a week when I'm like, I'm just, I just want my Discover Weekly. That's really the big thing um do you use spotify i forget yes i do okay i do so yeah often i'm like there's it just does not present me with things that i want to listen to it which is very frustrating i'll probably do a blog post about this when i finish my like two months of trying it or three months whatever i get but it is really a discovery problem like obviously Mm -hmm. the music is there it's just discovery and recommendations now i will say the radio so they have things just like spotify's radio stations they have radio stations and they're actually pretty good like i would click on you know, this artist and similar artists. And 
I would just listen to that for a while and it's pretty good, but it's all, you know, that's my only choice. I'd be like things based on this artist, but I would just like a general collection of music of things that I'll probably like. Mm-hmm. And I've gone to like, there's one that's just called like Ethan Swan station, but it plays a lot of things I already own. And I don't know. It's not, I don't find it that good weirdly, even though I like the other ones. So yeah, discovery is a huge problem. That said, the app is a lot nicer, like not in like, uh ways you could write down more just like it feels better it's just a nicer app it looks really good it it is feels really really native um i like using it it integrates a little bit better it's like easier to get to your music in certain cases by default when you hit play on say your car or your airpods or something and you don't have anything running it goes to apple music first um so there are some advantages but overall i have a i have a hard time imagining that this is what i will end up choosing over spotify right yeah I went through a similar similar calculus of does Apple One make sense? And mm-hmm. I came to one is I, I agree that those lower tiers are worthless. Yeah. <laughs> it's like who wants to buy these things? Um, there's just not enough value there. And then at that premier tier level, it's really that fitness, which we don't know anything about yet. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be terrible. We'll see. Right. But it could be great. If it's great, you get the fitness and you get the iCloud. And then, like, you get the tangential benefit to me of, like, the Apple Arcade, which you're like, oh, that's nice. And then it's like, I need one more thing and it's going to be the music. So then I could cancel my uh, Spotify subscription mm-hmm. and switch completely over. And um, I didn't do an investigation like you've done. I have not, like, started up a, a Apple Music account. Um, because I already knew that it wasn't going to be for me because uh, Mary had used Apple Music for quite some time um, because they had a promotional rate Mm. and got it really cheap for a year. So she was using it. And as soon as the price went up, we canceled and just added her to my Spotify (laughs) account. Um, And Spotify is just... The recommendations are just so strong. And it just knows me now, like... I've had I know years it's hard to give Spotify, that up. Yeah. And it's the map. The just, it's just no, when new, it'll often prompt me, like you might want to check out this album and the number of times that it's right, that I, I enjoy the music that they present to me is astounding. It's like really impressive. Yeah. They really might be like among the best machine learning companies in the world. It is so impressive how well they do. I mean, they miss, yeah. but overall they do really well. I think. Agreed. Yeah. So I, I think this will probably not be for me, but I do want to give it a chance. I do want to finish up the three months. The one other thing I neglected to mention that I now see in my notes is um, I I don't know if it's possible to connect it to my Echoes. So one thing I really love about mm-hmm. Spotify is that I can just go into like choosing where to play from and play it out of all the Echoes in my house, which is great because I have them connected to nice speakers. And so it's like, it actually sounds really good. That's like the whole reason I own five Echoes. Um, but with Apple Music, I don't know if that's even possible, and I haven't researched it yet, so that's on my list. Yeah. My guess is it isn't, but I could be wrong. Yeah, that could be a deal breaker there. It really bummed me out where that fitness service wasn't going to be a part of any of the lower tiers. I know, yes. Because I yeah. could convince myself to to buy into one of those if the fitness was a part of it, but clearly they understand that. <laughs> they, you do get three months of fitness free, I think, with a new watch per purchase. I see. Um, and I'll probably get the watch this year, which is another topic on our list. So I guess I'll just hold out until fitness comes out before I buy the watch. Yeah, <laughs> that seems like the right yeah. the right bet. 
you did make one comment though about Apple TV, and for the most part, I agree. But I have found a couple things on there that have actually oh been yeah, pretty what's decent. good? That morning show was actually really good, really oh, entertaining. Okay. Um, recommend that. And I feel like there was one other show we watched. I'd have to look back at my history. The morning show is the one that sticks in my memory. My parents like the one with uh, is it Jason Sudeikis? I mix up the Jasons. Yes, Jason Sudeikis. He's like a soccer coach. Oh, I haven't watched that one. It actually has had very good reviews i've seen a couple other people post about it but yeah i told my parents i had a free year and so they have been exploring that's the only thing they've liked yeah and that's what i've been using too is the free year that i got which might be up by now i'm not sure (laughs) i hope i'm not paying for this (laughs) oh mine's still till march yeah no worries i do miss apple arcade though that is one thing that will get me back in the bundle i was like actually thinking about that but it's so cheap anyway like it It is maybe i should just get fitness and apple arcade Mm mm-hmm I'm not even sure I'll want fitness, but who knows? I think one thing I've realized about the whole P90X experiment is that for me, like having a having a very engaging thing, but also changing what that is pretty regularly is probably going to be the most important thing for me for fitness going forward. Um, and so switching to Apple Fitness for a while might be really helpful. Yeah. Well, I, I'm really interested to just see the details of the service. What are the actual videos that they're providing? How much variety is there? and uh how well does it like integrate um, yeah is those things are important so you know what would really get me to subscribe to apple fitness for the rest of my life if they got tony horton as one of the people on it if they did that <laughs> i would sign up so immediately fast. yeah immediately. they couldn't get rid of me they could charge me 100 bucks a month i'd be there forever. <laughs> infinitely loyal they might they just might yeah, you never they actually know might. <laughs> yeah if they if they hear enough people say that oh there it is Sorry, I'm looking at the Apple TV. Boys State. Boys State. It's a documentary movie. Yeah. That was really good. That was I highly recommend that Boys one. Boys State? Yes. Boys State. And um there was a movie. There's a movie that is coming out. Oh, The Greyhound is a movie <laughs> that's on there. That movie's decent. It's okay. And then there's another one that just came out that I want to watch. I haven't seen it. It's called On the Rocks has bill murray and i don't know the actress's name she plays ann perkins on parks and uh, Rashida jones yes Rashida jones and then there's central park mary's watched a few of those she said it's okay so there's like a few things i their library's building slowly um i do think i think a lot of people count them out but yeah, they have the infinite next, cash. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They have infinite cash. And that is the cash is king in the content industry. Yeah. Like, that's what it takes. And I think over the next five years, we will find that like Apple TV Plus is a really strong contender. It has a lot of stuff. People want to watch it. Good yeah. app. And I think it's just going to continue to get bundled into things in ways that to make their other offerings um, more Yeah, compelling. probably. You're going to continue to see like year long, like switch to iPhone and you get a year free. That type of thing. If they're smart, yeah. I I have realized that like Netflix is just not going to be appealing for me after January because The Office is gone. Parks and Rec is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like that. I There are a lot of people who aren't like me this way, but I'm only in it to rewatch comedies that I already know that I like. <laughs> um, and actually, what, what just occurred to me is I'm probably the only person in America who does not have Netflix, does not have Hulu, does not have Disney Plus, 
but does have Peacock and Apple TV Plus. Wow. You yeah. are. You are about the maybe the only person Peacock. in the whole yeah. world. You have Peacock. Yeah. Wow. So what happened was uh, my my internet is through Xfinity, which is obviously horrible, mm-hmm. but there's no competition here in Chicago. There's only two companies, which is just outrageous. And so I was forced to pay Xfinity, which made me sad. Um, but because they're part of Comcast, who owns NBC, uh, <laughs> convoluted. <laughs> Um, they sent me a bot. Well, they allowed me to opt in, but they said they would for free send me this annoying other set top box. Of course, I don't want another set top box, but the deal was you also get Peacock with it for free. And I was mm. like, you know what? I'll hide this stupid box under my TV. If it means I get another streaming service, especially cause I'm cutting everything else. Little did I know that the office is going to Peacock. Yes, it is. And I think it parks of rec is too. And I was like, it actually, is. this no, is the one are. streaming service that I want. Yeah. It's going to be only you and, like, the other, you know... Xfinity customers. (laughs) Xfinity customers or, like, the dozen people who have to have the office. Like, they have to pay. It's more than a dozen. I'm underselling it. Funny you say that. I don't think they're going to get Peacock. You don't think so? I don't think so either. I think that there are some people who will but it's going to be a really small proportion well greg there's another option this didn't occur to me until last week but when i learned the office was going off netflix i was like what if i just bought the office the box set of the office yeah yeah or a digital copy and it's oh, only it's only 60 bucks and you can I buy like, the entire digital for 60 buy it I didn't on itunes for 60 bucks yep wow and i thought well i would need a way to play it from itunes but I, or you could find it on prime <laughs> i'm sure you could get it somewhere but um yeah, it was like 60 bucks rather than six months of a streaming service. Like, that's probably the main thing that gets me to get a streaming service. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Yeah, that's a good point. That's one that actually didn't cross my mind. Like, buying... I know, right? Even digital... <laughs> I mean, my first <laughs> thought was like come? an actual box set of Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> Which, no. I'm no... I mean, who does that anymore, right? Like, it's all streaming all the time. Is Yeah. What really is just irritating about the whole streaming convergence everyone switching over to the streaming platform is the the plat the platforms that don't have a right to win but are also but are refusing yeah. to um like uh, nbc yeah actually exactly. i guess in some sense nbc does because they make content but at the same time it's just so annoying it's so annoying and it's also like they're not I don't think they have a right to win. They have like a few good shows that people absolutely love. And yeah, but like, it. does Apple? Apple's the worst case of those. I feel like. I'm yeah, perhaps. I'm not sure. I mean, I think almost everybody else, Disney, NBC, Netflix, Hulu, like Hulu. they're all TV companies. That's they what are. they were, you know. They, but like, Apple's just a company, and they were like, I well, guess we the reason I give Apple, uh, some credibility is to me the content is clearly important it's like the number one thing but close behind it in my opinion is the technology and if you look to me like disney plus's app is trash they have the best content you could argue but their application sucks to use it's honestly infuriating and and honestly i honestly i've I've had experience where i just turn it off I'm like, this is so annoying. I'm not going to be deal with going. Like, I can't find the thing I'm looking for, so I'm just going to switch to Netflix. This is so stupid. Um, and I think that, app, and maybe they won't, but I think that they have the capability to make a great experience. And hmm. their content can catch up over time. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe they probably will. But, like, Disney's in the reverse position. 
where they have all the content, but they're not a good tech company. And I I never really thought about that. Hmm. I feel like that is something I notice more and more. Well, as everything has gone to streaming services is, is the UI and the user experience of use of the applications. And by far the best one is Netflix. They always remember exactly where you were. Yeah. They always remember the order. It's easy to search things. It's easy to get to episodes. It's easy to find stuff. Um, I don't even but, picture Netflix as being good, but that's because I've never encountered a problem. It's just like right. so thoroughly unremarkable. It just always is what I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The Probably the worst, even worse than Disney Plus is HBO. HBO but is really bad. I have used it. I agree. It's terrible. It's seriously the worst. I mean... Their search mechanism, it's the letters are horizontally across the top of the screen. So you're like, you, what? I, <laughs> it's I like, also remember I only had it to watch Silicon Valley. And every time I opened the app, I, I had to go through like you three had to go through like 15 and screens, four yeah. buttons to find it. And then I scroll the very end of the list. And I was like, yes. I only watch one show. One show. Like it should be on the homepage of the app. It's And crazy. it's likely that they probably will start you in the wrong spot if you (laughs) yeah i've had that experience before where i'm like what is going on like this is not what happened and it's like started me on a totally random episode in the middle and you're like that's not what i was watching hbo what the hell oh yeah um so hbo is the worst close second at being the worst is disney (laughs) plus and easily the best is netflix hulu sort of in the middle there i don't know anything about peacock i haven't used it um i haven't We'll find out. Yeah, I guess you'll you'll. Have but they're to probably. Let me know. Oh, sorry. Finish what you were saying though. No, I just think that like an Apple Plus is somewhere in the middle. Like their debut was kind of rough, but they've smoothed out some things. Like the experience has gotten better, and I foresee them getting better. Like they're going to continue to get more content, and I think their application is going to get better at a faster pace. We'll see. Like Disney Plus is fine. They're never going to lose. They got all the content they will ever need. Parents are going to pay for it just for their kids. So it's going to be a success. Um, but that may actually not, um, uh, may not be good for the future use of the app, like usefulness of the application. Yeah. They may just leave it static and terrible, which would really suck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe so. I'm a little less bothered by the bad ones, but I also don't watch a lot of series, I guess, outside of Netflix. Yeah, I always do. I always do. And that's what pushes me. Like the one w- that we are watching some of like, the i'll call it like our garbage tv time where we just throw things on and it's just on there uh on the television while we're doing other stuff one that we recently started to do was the simpsons because it's the entire collection is on disney plus because they own 20th century's fox now so they have all the simpsons and (laughs) it's fine if you just want to watch the exact thing you were watching before move into the next episode of the simpsons but if you want to switch seasons Buckle up, buddy, because you, <laughs> you have to go through about five different screens and <laughs> like all click a bajillion different buttons in a special order and then speak the magical incantation into your remote. And then you can then you can pick this what season of The Simpsons you want to watch. It's seriously ridiculous. Uh, man, <laughs> I haven't used is, Disney Plus. This sounds terrible. It's what's really confusing about it is on the home screen, there's like they have these big tiles of whatever like star wars and whatever one of them is the simpsons so you click on it thinking you're gonna go to the simpsons naturally and you don't it takes you to this screen like that is like it's like this like it's more tiles of themes of simpsons so it'll be like 
trip like international theme and it's all the episodes where they're in different countries <laughs> <laughs> or to be like uh, i don't even know like the I mischief the theme and it's like all the times that bart and lisa got in trouble or something you're like what the hell is this what the hell is this i don't want to see How this these people watch tv yeah the people who work at disney only only watch episodes that share a common thread they don't yeah, watch exactly. Them <laughs> exactly so then you're like looking around on the screen and you're like where is the season one of the simpsons yeah, where I like is the that chronology theme i'd like to watch them in order i want to see the chronology theme please so oh my uh, god that's nuts yeah it's very bad it's not a good experience now i will huh. say they do have a fantastic show in the mandalorian which if you're a star wars fan you haven't seen that yet you certainly should because it's really good that's what everybody tells me i'm gonna be continued like i'll have to stay subscribed because they have all the pixar movies and they have star wars stuff but it sucks using their app. It's seriously not fun. Interesting. I yeah, I realized I'm just not a good I'm not a good target for these streaming services. Like I need to be smarter and just buy all the series. Like if it were sixty bucks for every series I watch, there's only five. I could spend three hundred dollars for all the TV for the rest of my life. I'd be <laughs> Except I might just need Peacock because now what I was gonna say before was the office and Parks and Rec will be on it. I would think the good place will be on it. And mm-hmm. yeah. um What's the other one? I would think Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think that's an NBC show. And it's it like was right there, that's a 20th Century saw Fox, but then oh, NBC really? bought it for the last season, so I don't really know how that works. Ooh, okay, well, that makes me nervous. But they might get it. They might get it. The only one I'm missing is uh, New Girl. But yeah, yes. maybe I'll spend and that's sixty a Fox bucks on that. One. That's another Fox one. Okay. Yeah, and that's it's still the landscape is quite confusing. Because yes, New Girl, <laughs> New, I think New Girl is on Hulu. It might even still be on Netflix. It was on Netflix, yeah. But I think that Disney owns the property because they bought the company that the show used to be on. But who knows how these things work? Perhaps yeah, yeah. they just had the right to show it on broadcast television and it's really actually owned by someone else and really maybe NBC owns it. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. Should we hit anything else today or call it a day? I think we're good. We can call it a day. This has been a lot of fun. Talked about a lot of TV. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is my life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I sometimes feel that way too. TV and video games. We knocked out all the important things. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. This has been fun, Greg.